This is Rugger Matrix America. Yes, this is episode 38. Juro Sim, Bruce McLean, and Alex Goff. This week we hear from the main man, Eddie O'Sullivan. Welcome to episode 38 of Rugger Matrix America. Looking forward to this show because we've got the main man on. Second main man is Bruce McLean. Hello, Bruce. I'm the main man, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the garden part of the world, New York City, just like I pictured it. Skyscrapers and everything. It's the capital of the universe. Ah, uh, yes. Keep believing that. All right, Bruce. It's going to be a big show. Alex Goff from Olympia. Hey. No, I thought I was in the capital of the universe. <laughs> I'm, I'm terribly disappointed now. I'm crushed. I don't know if I can go See, on. See, there's this thing called the internet, which means we're all in the uh, capital of the universe. So, gentlemen, great show. And, Bruce, it's our pleasure to have on USA Eagles head coach. Yeah, I tell you, you must be pretty important. Bronk is up at 5 in the morning to do this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm just calling the mothership here in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> Eddie, uh, we didn't get a chance to speak to you. We had a show last week, from our point of view, uh, difficult because we didn't see all the games from the ARC, but pass mark? Yeah, I take that. Um, Probably disappointed at the end of the day with the Canadian result, Um, but it's the ARC tournament is a means to an end. Um, I would like to have got the second win. I think it was possible, but we we didn't get the business done in the day. But overall, I was very pleased. with a pretty inexperienced pool. I got to see a lot of guys I wouldn't have seen if the ARC wasn't on. And I was able to make some pretty informed decisions about picking the the uh, fall tour pool, uh, which um, we've done and, and we'll, we'll be releasing. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty pleased overall. Um, a, a strategy I had going in was pretty straightforward. I, I, I wanted to, to try and get off the ground running and uh, get a result against Tonga, which we did. It was a tough game, but we played really well. I uh, took a bit of a chance against the Jaguars. I mean, I think they, they, they're a class apart at the moment because they're playing professionally, uh, that Jaguars team, for the last year. They've competed in the Vodacom Cup in South Africa. In fact, they're going on to Russia now for November to play again. So they're, they're a pretty slick outfit, and they had given Canada a bit of a pounding by almost 50 points. So I really wanted to get everyone on the field. And, and you know, I, I took a bit of a risk that, putting a, a pretty young side in the field because the Jaguars could implode. And it looked like that at halftime. We were 30 zip behind and we were struggling with the pace of the game. Uh, but I, I got some more experienced heads in the field in the second half and steadied the ship. And, you know, we, 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 st- we stopped the hemorrhaging and, and it was a decent game at the end of the day. So then I thought we've got a good chance here of, of maybe getting Canada. And um, we didn't. And that was disappointing. I think we were capable of beating Canada. But we didn't play well on the day. It was a pretty messy day. It was very windy, and it was a, a wet day, which was the only bad day we got in the tournament. But uh, I'd have to say I was disappointed about that. But again, you know, in games like that, you learn things about players that gives you good information going forward. So overall, I'd take a pass mark on that ARC. But more importantly, I'm I'm pretty happy with what I got out of it in terms of going to the fall tour now. Can I ask you, uh, I actually, the guy I coach with is from Argentina, so I was able to see the Canada game. I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Going into New Zealand, there's 
you know, you're going to be dealing with that kind of weather in Taranaki. And um, I think what is going to be your game plan dealing with wind and rain? Um, and I wanted to follow up on that after this question, but I just wanted to check your game plan as far as wind and rain and what would you change what happened against Canada? Well, just get better at doing what we did. You know, we've, this team has rarely played in the rain since I came on board. In fact, I'm trying to scratch my head and think of when we actually did play in the rain. So <clears throat> you can have a wet game plan, a uh, wet day game plan, um, which I always have in Ireland because um, we played a lot in the rain. But th this team uh, currently hasn't played much in the rain. It was probably the first wet day I think we've, we've had to deal with. And um, we struggle a bit with the conditions. The other thing we need is you need a good kicking game uh, on, on a wet or windy day. And... Uh, we had a kicking game plan as well. We didn't execute it well. And, and it's about the guys, you know, knowing the right moment. I mean, at this level, teams will not give you space to kick to. You know, they're going to drop three or four players deep. And you've got to be able to manipulate those back three players and drag the wingers up. And at the right moment, when you see some green in the corners, you've got to ping the corners. And it takes a bit of practice because it's all very fine to have a game plan. But guys need to be used to executing under pressure. And I thought in the first half we had the wind. And we didn't really use it that well. And, and I guess it's down to the fact that the two key guys we're, we're trying to get to use it were a fullback, Tyne Osa, and our 10, Nessa Malifa, who weren't actually natural kickers, to be honest. But, you know, they're going to have to learn to become kickers if they're going to play at this level. And it was, it was probably the disappointing aspect of the first half because we turned around at three all. And turning around to a strong wind and on a, on a wet day, um, you know, that's a big ask. And, and really probably not getting our noses ahead in, in the first half uh, against Canada was probably our downfall. Plus the fact then in the second half, we just got blown off the park uh, discipline-wise, you know. So I, I think, the, the, yeah, the wet weather game plan is an issue for us. But I, here's the thing, you know, in, in, uh, in like 10 days' time, we're going to get enough of it when we get to D London and we get to uh, Edinburgh and to Georgia. I think there's a good chance we play in the rain and um, we just have to work hard at it. Yeah, well, on, on that note, that's I I I think that you know in trying to manipulate guys you're gonna have to sometimes you're gonna have to start running the ball and I, and I thought that there was a little bit of loose play like I, I thought guys were a little bit loose with the ball when perhaps they should have probably eaten it a little bit and and allowed yourself to manipulate the guys I I, I that's one of the things that I did notice was the guys seemed to be looking for the offload looking to try to get it all in one shot. Secondly, when Biller went on, when Biller got binned, and it was it was kind of a very rough call. I would have to say it's about as tough of a yellow card as you can possibly get. The you had a scrum where you really had to kick it out, and do you have a guy on the sideline? Because it you went in and and Eric Fry went um, Eric Fry went without a flanker, and it was basically you know the scrum was in a was in a clear to kick area. So I, I like I would have probably had somebody or at least a bench coach from the sideline make sure that one of the flankers one of the one of the centers or one of the backs went on to the right side of the scrum to give fry a little bit of help because the, the ball really doesn't come in that way doesn't come out really all the back has to do is push like an sob and and i think that, that you probably could have cleared that and and i you know and i also thought that when uh, when canada was down two men and we were knocking on the door canada had to scrum on their own on their own line, and we didn't, and we kind of let them clear it without really chasing that. And then they were down one man, and they didn't have a flanker on the left-hand side of the scrum, off the off the loose head side where the ball comes in. 
And I thought that those were areas, especially inside their 22, that we could have pressured and turned that in possibly into points. And I think that we didn't pressure it. And I, I think that there was – I know that you guys are up in, a, in kind of a booth – and is there anybody on the sideline to be able to tell these guys or recognize those situations? No, it's very hard to get information were... at the moment. It's very hard to get information because the, the um, touch judges and the fourth official are marshalling the touch lines. Um, it's very hard to get information. And now we should have been smarter in our own line that time. But we, we were under, we were pretty punch drunk at that stage. But we did survive that 10 minutes without giving up a score. Um, the, the other problem we had is that if you look at our selections in the front row, you know, at the moment we have four of our props overseas. Like we're, we're not, we've got, we've got, um, we've got Johnson, uh, we, we've got uh, Pittman, we've got Mokiola, we've got McDonald all overseas. And we had a guy like Eric Fry, a complete rookie at, in the front row. Um, and we had some other rookies as well in, in, in the pack. I mean, we ended up playing Philip Thiel at Loosehead in, in, the, in the Canadian game because there, he was the guy who, who who we put in at half time against the Jaguars, and he, he really dogged it out. So the scrum was going to be under pressure. You know, we, we don't have that sort of depth where we can put out a, a select side missing four props. And uh, that's why when we were in the, in the Canadian zone, that we really couldn't turn the screw on them, you know, because like it's probably, I, I was just looking at the front row we put out, it's probably the lightest front row in, in the history of Test rugby. You've got Biller, Teal, and Fry on the other side. Fry weighs about 235 at the moment. So. Um, that that certainly mitigated against turning the screw on Canada when 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 uh, we might have done so with a, with, a, with a better front row. I actually think that your front row set up really well, hit really well. I, I don't think that they I don't think that they chased the hit and pressed it really well. But I thought that there's a lot to work with there. I I, I thought that there was there was a lot of good things that came prior to engagement and upon engagement. It was after engagement that they let themselves down. And I actually thought that the Canadian front row was a disgrace and that they, you, you really, there was an opportunity to really put them, put them under severe pressure. And I think that Fry and Fry actually is going to be a pretty decent prop because he does have, he does have a, uh, he does have a good profile. He does engage pretty well. And it's just going to be a matter of him getting time and in, in, in doing it. He hasn't, you know, I, he probably might've been the, third or fourth time in his life that he's done that never mind in uh in, in a in a in a high level match so i think that that's a, that's gonna be a, a pretty good opportunity for you because the basics are there it's just a matter of of increasing it with the pressure and and i don't know if you saw that or if you didn't but i i wouldn't have been unhappy with that part i just the thing that was was disheartening was that there was there was such an opportunity there and the canadians both of their props put their legs up. They were set up incredibly poorly, and we basically allowed them to get away with it. Well, I, I still go back to the point that that's a lack of experience. You know, you have two props. One was a hooker, and the other had played one year at college um, in Cal, and the rest of his time he, he's played at second row. So, I mean, this thrown this kid into deep end, and I thought he was the find of the tour, actually, Eric Fry. And uh, with the injury... Um, at tighthead with with uh, with Will Johnson, Fry is coming on the fall tour. He's still about twenty pounds too light, but we can fix that, you know, in the run into the World Cup. I thought he was a standout guy. So you know, you got to you got to try into the mix, Bruce. You know, I mean, and these are guys who came together uh, five days before the first game. We had three games in, in in literally ten days. So you're not going to get all the boxes ticked every in in those situations. Five day turnarounds with with uh, with that sort of an experience. So yeah, I, I take your point, but. Uh, 
you know, I don't think it's for any reason to jump off a cliff over it, you know. Good. Uh, Coach Alex Goff, um, we had a, a a lot of fun last week actually speculating, trying to get inside your head about um, uh, some of the things you might have liked or not liked on, on the on the competition. And you had said to me that some players had, uh, I think the quote was, done themselves no harm at all in, in, in the ARC. And so we were, we were trying to trying to guess who you might have meant, and, and and Eric Fry was one name that came up because you played him an awful lot of minutes, and and I also looked at at the number of minutes that Samu Manoa and and uh, Brian Doyle got in the second row, uh, looked to me like you might have um, gotten you know made some decisions there as well. So uh, curious is uh, on two levels. One, to, if you could point out some players who you were you know really pleased with whether whether we could track with those three but also um you know what what players got the most out of this uh out of this ARC that, that doesn't necessarily mean they get on the November tour right? or or are going to play in the World Cup but but who benefited the most or 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 used the opportunity the most um i think well the guys that stood out said were fry and actually Sam Manoa was excellent um you know, we've been trying to get Samuel on, on board for a while now, and it just hasn't worked out. So he's done a great job. I mean, this guy is, is, is I think, potentially uh, could be a starter at Lockfast in the World Cup. When I say potentially. Uh, but, you know, when you see our, our lock selections, um, we have we have a pretty good uh, stack of locks around. We've got Van der Gissen, uh, we've We've got Lavala. We, we've got um, uh, um, Hayden Smith. Um, and there was opportunities there for guys like, like Brian Doyle and uh, Samu. And uh, the guy called Tom Catsby got in, who's a pretty inexperienced guy. But again, I, Tom did a really good job given his experience. So Tom is a guy who the ARC would have been a huge benefit to, even though Tom isn't going to make the fall, the fall pool. And uh, just the whole experience of the ARC. And I, I think Tom has got a future at lock for the Eagles. He's a good athlete. He's a bright kid and he works very hard. He just hasn't got the depth of experience at the moment. So he's a classic guy that that uh, you'd like to see coming through. Um, another guy who who did very well, um, um, ironically, did better on the wing than a centre was Mila Pulu, who's a young guy of San Francisco Golden Gate who we've had in camp, who would, probably would have featured in the Churchill, but he, he broke his uh, his hand in, in the Super League. And, you know, unfortunately, he was devastated at the time not to make the Churchill. And uh, I really want to see him. And he he's a lot of pace. Um, he did a great job against Tonga off the wing, even though it's the, an area he hasn't played much in. So that was a big plus for him. Zach Test, as his first sevens assembly, did did very well also. Um, I was very pleased. Um, Shalom Suniula had a pretty a decent uh, tournament. Um, he's in the mix for halfback, but he probably needs a little more experience at, fifth, at, uh, at Union. He's played a lot of league and just making the adaption around the pace of the game. Um, there was other guys like Duncan Kellum, who's come over the All-Americans. It was a good experience for him. Um, we used Ty and Oset full back, um, you know, where we want to see. I mean, he got a fantastic try against Tonga uh, up the short side. He beat like three guys in a phone booth and scored at a crucial moment. Um, I think he's, a, he's one of those utility players who can play across the back line. Um, so th- there was a lot of guys like that, you know, who, who, who really projected themselves. And there was other guys who probably didn't project as well as they needed to, uh, to force their way into the fall tour. It doesn't mean they're they're off the radar. It means that they've fallen down the, the, the depth chart a little bit. And that's no harm. I mean, they, they know where they stand and, and what they've got to do to get back up there. And um, for that reason, I think that that 
snapshot of the ARC has been really important in terms of now looking at the fall tour. Good coach. Also, the uh, you know you, you, we talked a little bit o- over the course of uh, covering the Eagles that uh, you 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 slotted in like a second layer of of offensive plays. It made the uh, team's offense a little more sophisticated this year. Um, did you did you take a step toward more simplification uh, down in Argentina? And then are you going to ramp it up for November, or do you, do, what? What's your plan in terms of of making the attack more sophisticated? Well, actually, what we did is we took we discussed this with the staff, and we were on a skeleton staff uh, because we were only allowed eight staff on on the trip. So there was myself, David Hodges, Matt Sherman, and David Williams. So it was a skeleton staff, but. We discussed what we would do in terms of our, our shape. When we, would we go back to the one that we'd used uh, in 09? That was pretty simple and straightforward. And um, we decided against that. So we used the same uh, attacking pattern we'd used in, in the summer. And I was a little bit, little bit of trepidation because it's slightly more complicated. There's more options. And guys have to think a bit more on their feet. And it was a pretty experienced bunch. But to be honest, um, they, really, um, they really bought into it quickly. And we got on top of it very quickly to the point where um, one of our tries against Tonga was right off our training field. I mean, we just took them through four or five phases and scored in the corner. It was that simple. I was very pleased about that. Um, I think what we have to do now, and it's reference to what Bruce talked about, is that we, we have to take those shapes and be able to play them uh, based on weather conditions as well. If the weather gets wet and windy um, and we play one of those shapes, we've got to have a kicking option out of it that's, that gives us these extra strategies, particularly from our own half when we really don't want to keep the ball in hand and it's, it's getting more sensible to put Leto to it. But to be honest, I think, you know, we, we are not endowed with kickers. We haven't got the greatest kickers in the world and that's always been traditionally a difficult skill set for, for Eagles teams. But having said that, it's just we, we need to work harder and, and that means more time setting up those shapes so we can kick, kick ourselves into position. Um, so, yeah, I, the, the shape we used in the ARC was pretty much the same shape we used in, in the... Um, in, in, in the summer uh, in, in the Churchill Cup. And I intend to probably roll that out a bit more, but I'm going to have to factor in that there's going to be situations where we won't be able to run with it. We'll have to kick it and have to build in those strategies around that same shape to give us our kicking options, particularly out of our own half. And as I say, we, won't, we don't have the greatest kickers uh, in our pool, so that, that'll make it a little more complicated. But that is a challenge now going into, into November, which is good because... That same challenge will look us right in the eye in, in, in New Zealand uh, come, come next year. We're going to have to have kicking strategies uh, to get us where we want to go on the field. Is it, is it also, even though you don't have, you know, we, don't, we don't have the greatest kickers, and that's, and that's no secret, I don't think that's been a secret, um, in, in going into the World Cup, do they have four try scenarios where essentially, I mean, you know, you look at the Australia game, you know, chances are we don't have, you know, we don't have much of a chance to win that game. However, if, if we play a type of pattern where where we can move the ball around the field, kind of, you know, with, for lack of a better word, turn it into a hectic game, and and get lucky, create mistakes, block a couple kicks, you know, turn over a restart, and you know, try to get the four tries. Are there four try bonus points in the World Cup? Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are bonus points for within seven and and for, for four four tries. I think the thing we careful of, um, which is was is very evident, and we saw this in Churchill against the Jaguars. Uh, sorry, against uh, excuse me, against the um, the Saxons and against France A, and we saw it again against the Jaguars in the RC. 
the one difference between amateur and professional players, uh, whether you like it or not, is, is one word is called pace. Professional players can play the game at a very high pace. And like that's what almost drowned us in the first uh, first half of the Jaguars game in, in, in Cordoba. They just played at such a pace that our guys were, were just struggling to hang on by their fingernails. So if you're if you're gonna try to throw the game wide open and and, and uh, play a game at, at pace, we've got to be really careful because if you make mistakes in those scenarios, you're you're just gonna get whacked every time, you know. And if you turn the ball over four times, it could cost you twenty eight points against teams like that. So it's it's a kind of a double edged sword. Um, not saying we wouldn't do that, but again, we've got to be careful uh, when when we decide to do that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if we put our best team on the field, there's still going to be domestic players in that team by, uh, in certain positions, and some of them might be key positions. So we've just got to adapt to that as much as we can, and and at the same at the same time, not try and write checks we can't cash and just put ourselves in trouble. So I have to factor that in when I, my thinking when I, I decide we're going to speed up the game or, or, or do something that's going to be a little bit off the beam. We've, we've got to be able to cope with what happens on the outcome. What I kind of meant by that is, say you play Australia, are you willing to lose 80 to 24 to get a bonus point, or would you rather lose, you know, 38 to 12? You know what I mean? You might, you might get that's, something out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you always want to get something out of the game, but um, yeah, I, I have. I think that that game is going to be an interesting one because um, we'll have played Ireland and Russia at that stage, and it's it's where we are in, at at that point in the tournament. You know, um, the first game against Ireland, you always want to put your best foot forward in the first game of the World Cup. You always want to throw the kitchen sink at somebody when they're probably not as as geared up as they would be two or three games in. Um, so. You know, whoever you play in the first game, you always think there's a chance you can upset the apple cart, you know. Um, and then Russia is the game we want to win. And the trouble for us is those games are pretty close. So there's a bit of strategizing to go in. Although I think, to be fair, the, the pool is coming together pretty well. So I don't think there's going to be a ton of difference between our, 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 our first uh, line of players and our second line. I think we've got good opportunities. So, um, the Australia game is the third one, and they'll be into their stride at that stage. So a lot will depend on, on where we are in terms of the performance we're getting. So I'm not I'm not getting too hung up on that yet. I think that's a strategy I can work out closer to the to the World Cup, when we, particularly when we see where, where the pool breaks down. Well, Eddie, you uh, you you have a, a November tour to do, and the the nice thing about it is you're in a position where you have about what, 15 to 17 players who are playing overseas. Some of them are playing regularly. I just got an email from Hayden Smith. He's really excited because he, he started yesterday for Saracens. He played the whole game. Right. We're close to it, uh, which, which I'm sure is good news for you because he had that injury coming back from that. Um, well, but they're all in different situations. Uh, you, know, you, you, can, you can look at someone and say, well, he's in the championship level in, in England, and is that the best level? Well, I mean, for Sean Pittman, it's great because he plays 80 minutes a game. But then there are other players. You know, uh, Mike Petrie, is he in the best situation? Well, he's training really hard, and he's in a professional environment, but we haven't seen him play for the A side yet. So that could be a frustration for him. Um, so, so, I, so I guess, first of all, you, you're going to expect... Um, a lot more from the, the professional guys, I would imagine. And the second thing is, who, do you think of any one competition that's the best situation for an American player? 
going overseas or, or do they all have their own qualities? Well, I think the important thing about guys going overseas is even if they're not starting in their premiership team or they're playing division one or they're not playing at the highest level, the fact is they're in a professional environment. So they're, they're, you know, their day is built around rugby. Whereas, as we know here, the domestic guys, you know, they, they come back from the ARC on, on we fly out of Cordoba Sunday, we arrive into to Houston 5 a.m. Monday morning, they get back home and then Tuesday morning they go to work. You know, so it's a different world. So getting overseas into a professional environment has to be better. Of course, you want the guys, you know, like 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 Chris Wilde starting every week for Saracens or, or Tacklin and Gwenya starting for Biarritz and playing Heineken Cup. I mean, that's the ultimate. But if they're not doing that, the next best thing, I guess, is that, that they're playing every week. And even if they're only playing, you know, like Hayden has got a lot of time um, with, with the Saracens uh, seconds, but they're playing in a pretty decent league. So that's good. Um, you know, Mike Petrie has probably had the toughest station because he doesn't seem to be really getting much game time at all. And it's kind of unfortunate that he arrived in, 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 in sale, corresponded with a, a new uh, a new head coach being appointed. And uh, obviously the landscape changed. But it's still better that he's over there uh, in a professional environment, training every day, playing every uh, in training even, or playing occasionally um, at a high level. So I still think we're better off with these guys because it does mean that they are in the professional environment and, and they are, you know, kind of rugby smart at the end of it. Um, and that's a big challenge for the guys who are here. Our guys here do really well. They adjust very well, but they, they all have that slight advantage being overseas. Um, when it comes to the, the fall tour, the four games are interesting. We have obviously Saracens, uh, followed by Portugal, uh, followed by um, Scotland, A, followed by Georgia. And there's two ranking tests. So, Straight away, you target the ranking tests. You want to beat Portugal, you want to beat Georgia. The other side of it is that the first game against Saracens, the reason I took that game on is because we actually, instead of arriving in Portugal on Monday, we now get to London the previous Thursday. So we get to train Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday together, which wouldn't be possible if we went straight into Portugal. Uh, we wouldn't have that amount of training before, before the Port Portugal game. So we get some time together in London and... Uh, that, that Saracens game is probably going to be for a lot of the domestic guys who just need another chance to play now, or some of the guys who are not playing uh, in, professionally if they're not getting a lot of time in, in their club. The, the only slight issue is that this is, this is IRB, um, I suppose, political, politically driven, is that the November window for, for touring does not open until uh, one minute after 12 on the 7th which is Sunday the 7th of November. So even though we're in, in London on the 4th, we may not get all our professional players until the Sunday, or some of them might be even the Sunday night. I know Tim Usaz has a game on the Sunday. Sean Pittman is playing at London Welsh on the Sunday. So, you know, we might be just, it might be actually Sunday before we get the full squad. But I don't mind that. I still think we're going to be in camp and we're going to be working. And we, if some guys aren't involved in the premiership on this, that Saturday, we may get them into camp early. So... Uh, it's still better for us to get in early and get those extra days under our belt. Um, that Saracens game, as I said, will be more or less to try and uh, give guys who haven't, again, had a lot of rugby, some rugby, then go to Portugal, uh, you know, go go all out to win that test against Portugal, then go to Scotland and, you know, rotate the squad again in Scotland and then make sure that we're, we're locked and loaded for what is the, probably the, you know, the highlight of the tour is that test in, in against Georgia in Tbilisi which will be pretty difficult that time of the year in Tbilisi. And I know that they're, they're looking at this as a scalp for, for, from their end if they can turn us over. 
So it's, it, it's a pretty exciting tour for that reason. There's a lot to play for and, and again, a great opportunity for guys. Um, as I said, at the start of this year, we had like 60-odd names on the sheet and I wanted to get to the point uh, by the end of the calendar year to, to kind of have that narrowed down to 40-something, maybe mid-40s. And I think we're getting there gradually now. And I think I'm pretty happy uh, that we're getting a, a kind of a fo- more of a focus around the pool. Can you talk us through the team and what kind of your expectations are and how many, how many players you have, uh, the breakdown between forwards and backs and the breakdown between domestic and foreign? You know, and, and what your, I mean, you, you, you've laid out your expectations on the tour, but what your expectations are on the players? Because I, I think at this point, you're really going to have to start to, this team is going to have to start to take shape and, and, and start, you know, you're going to have to start to settle on a bunch of things. And I think that your back three obviously is, is a, you know, a real strong point because they produce at the top level in the premiership in the top 14. And then what are you looking for elsewhere? Yeah, well, the, the fall tour pool, actually, I'm pretty happy with the way it's panned out. And we've got a couple of injuries, all right. Um, I suppose we're, we're, we're not going to have short Troy Hall and we're not, we're not going to have um, uh, the, uh, Will Johnson, who, who broke his hand. But apart from those, I think we've got pretty much everyone we want available. Um, the front row is Pittman and Fry. And I said Fry was a standout guy in the ERC, so he gets rewarded for that because Johnson's injured. And the loose heads are Mokiola and McDonald. Now, this is a big one for Mac because he hasn't played for us like in over a year. Um, he was in Churchill Cup on nine. Um, and then uh, he, he pretty much missed the fall uh, because he, he had some issues with his, his visa and wasn't back playing and one thing or another. And, and in the spring, we looked his performances closely and, and he didn't really set the world on fire. And, you know, he, he missed the cut for the Churchill. It was a pretty big call, but I, I think it was it was the right call for sure. We wanted to look at other other guys who are around. Now, Mike is getting another shot again now, and it's a big one for him coming back in that he, he really needs a, a big tour for us. The two hookers are pretty straightforward. You've got Biller and Thiel, who, who've been standout every time they've played for us. And I, I'm very happy with the lock situation. We've got Thander Giesen, we've got Hayden Smith, we've got Lavala, who's come back from a knee problem, is back playing again, and they, they keep raving about him in Ulster, the way he plays. And then we've got Samuel Manoa, who's have a standout in the RC. And, and then we go to the back row. We've got Clever, we've got Louis Stanfield, Nick Johnson, JJ Gagliano, and kind of the joker in the back row is Inaki Basori, who's a guy I haven't seen a lot of, but has been playing overseas for a while now and has been delivering pretty decent performances and it's probably time to look at him now on the basis that I've seen everybody else I need to see and we have quite a few back rows knocking around and um, for that reason he's probably a guy that nobody would expect it to find there but uh, I really want to get a close look at him and again this is a big tour for him that it's a shot now to, to, to force his way into this Eagles pool and, and we'll see how he goes the halfback situation is pretty straightforward it's Usas and Petri um and the halfbacks, I, I, I'm looking at the two fly halves at Ness and Malif and Tainosa. Um, Volney Ross didn't really do a great job by, by his own standards in the RC. He really didn't project that well. And um, I don't know, you know if, if he just needs more time because he's had a, a spring in, in, in New Zealand, but he just didn't really set the world on fire. So I decided to take Tainosa, who who looks to have all the p- bits and pieces, but he did struggle a little bit at full back to his decision-making. But I really think 
Um, he's more more of a 10 than a 15, although he has capacity to play in different positions. Um, so they have a two 10s, and we'll see how they go. The centres, interestingly, we've got Andrew Sinula, who has been a big player for since he came on board. And we've got Pate Tulavuka, who I was very worried about, who got a really nasty ankle injury in the lead-up to the winning try against Tonga. He made a great break, but he rolled his ankle, and, and it looked pretty sinister, but he's got the all-clear. And there's another kind of a curveball here is Pate's brother, Sete Tulavuka, who's, who's playing uh, in Montpellier in France. He's been, he's been out injured for a while, but back starting with Montpellier. And I really want to see him. Um, he's a guy I think has got something as well. Um, so, like... That that cent- those center combinations are interesting. I like picking guys who can play center and wing as well. You know, we've got Emmerich who who slots in there who can play a center or wing. Um, Zach Test is the other guy who's forced his way in based on his performance in the RC. I mean, he's pretty inexperienced, but he's a very gutsy kid. He's a good athlete. Um, you know, he really played well in, in the RC. Um, the 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 center situation with with Junior Sifa is that. He's really had a problem. He he's had a really bad in, run of injuries. He broke his hand. He's just back from injury with a broken hand. And he's had issues with his visa. He's gone to Nottingham. And it's he's not really been able to play any rugby. Um, so I think Junior is in the mix as well. Though he doesn't make the, the cut. If there's any injuries, he would come straight in there. But unfortunately, Junior isn't going to make the, 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 the lineup because we're only picking 28 players. That's 15 forwards and 13 backs. The other two wings are the obvious ones. That's Taku Nguyenya and Kevin Swern. Um, Kevin has been starting with Ajian, and Taku has been in great form with, with Biritz. And then the, the, the full-backs, well, obviously Chris Wiles is, is, is an obvious one. And I've a guy who missed the ARC, who I think you know, has a, a good possibility of forcing his way into the World Cup, potentially as a full-back or a wing, is Colin Hawley. Um, unfortunately, for work reasons, he couldn't make the ARC. But... Um, I want to see him up close again now in this fall tour and see how he goes, you know. Um, so that's really the way the pool pans out. I would like to have had another couple of selections I could have made, but 28 is the total we can have. So it's 15 and 13. And I think the two kind of jokers in, in, in the pack there that people might not have expected would be Anaki Basori and Sete Tulavuka. Um, and there's been a few casualties, I guess. Um, I suppose probably one of the big casualties is, is, is being Pat Dainey, uh, who, who hasn't broken in. And, um, you know, Pat's kind of hit a bit of a plateau in his game. He made some good progress, but um, he really probably needs to project a bit more in, in the RC than he did. And I just why I want to look at Anaki Basori and give him a shot. doesn't mean Pat's fallen off the radar, but, um, you know, he's just opened the door a little bit for somebody else. And we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I actually, I think that that's a, I think that's pretty interesting. I think it's interesting that you're going to go with only, Nesse and Tyanosa at fly half because, you know, God forbid anything happens, then you're looking at the um, you're looking at the possibility of really having a an inexperienced halfback. One of the things I just wanted to ask you is, you have you really do have world class players in the back three, in in, in Swearin, um, uh, Taku and and Wiles, guys who perform at the top level. You got you got a back row player and clever who's as good as anybody, and and now I think how are you gonna how are you gonna get that back three into the game? How are you gonna make those guys be a factor? Because in the Churchill Cup when they were a factor, you guys looked good, and when they were starved of the ball is when the Eagles kind of 
you know, just went into almost it, it just wasn't as a wasn't as dynamic of an of a of an of an attack. And, you know, what what types of things are you going to be looking to do to get those guys into the game? Well, we never had to trade him. I mean, the Churchill, remember, Kevin Swearing didn't make the Churchill. Uh, he, he picked up an injury uh, in the sevens. Actually, and missed. Well, you had, you, had, you had Emmerich there. So, I, you know, and I yep. would look at Emmerich in that. And, you know, Emmerich was playing. So I, I would look at him in that, in that same class. Yeah, we have got some, we've got some really good players in the back three. You know, there's, there's three ways to get him into the game. One is from set piece. And we, we use them offset piece as, as options on our strike runners. Um, so that we can get them into the game that way. We can also get them into the game uh, by, by giving them playmaking opportunities to our phase play. Um, although I do like to keep guys like Taco out wide. I don't like to bring him into the middle of the field much because genuinely, if you find a corner for Taco to run around, he usually gets around it. And once he gets around the corner, there's no reeling him in. So I, I, that, that that's... Not always going. He's always going to find himself as a playmaker. But I like the idea of Wiles probing the midfield as a playmaker uh, and and even swearing. And then finally, the obvious one is when teams kick the ball to us, we're just going to run back at them. We we have these guys who can who can who can uh, run around people or run through people in certain cases like swearing. Um, so we're just going to try and keep the ball in hand when they kick it to us and not get into these games of ping pong because again our, our kicking game isn't a strength. If we if we start playing ping pong with with, with the top teams, we're going to lose that game. We've got to keep the ball in hand, run back at them, and work hard to, to either you know keep running at them if it's good or if it's if it if it dries up, we've got to be able to find those corners. But not just the first option for us really shouldn't be just pumping the ball back in the air and chasing it. That's the last option we should look at. It's particularly with those guys like Nguyen, Swear and Emmerich, Wiles, um, and even guys like Tess now um and Hawley, who can all run in open field, those guys can run back at you. And it's just about building and we've worked quite hard on this. Matt Sherman's put a lot of time into the guys with, with our, uh, our counter-attack play and, and not kicking the ball back unless it's the last resort. Well, Coach, the, uh, you, you're right about the, the curveballs. It's pretty exciting to see some changes in there. Uh, Inaki Bosari, who's been playing at L'Aquila in uh, Italy and, and I guess pretty much starting at open side. And I, I wanted to ask you about that, first of all, which was uh, that... that Inaki seems to be more of a pure open side, perhaps more than anyone else in that back row, which is, which is interesting. And have you comment on that? But also talking about Seta Tuilavuka, and I was I actually talked to him last week about his his try scoring streak, and we had a nice chat about um, his desire to play for the USA and desire to play with his brother as well. And he his situation was he he was playing on the wing, and he doesn't he doesn't feel comfortable on the wing, and and while he was rehabbing his injury, his, uh, his, his, I think it was bone spurs. Um, it became evident to the coaching staff at Montpellier that he, he wanted to play in the center and they gave him a shot and then suddenly he starts scoring tries. So I think uh, on a coaching level, he showed them something. He showed them how hard he's willing to work and showed that, you know, when he, you put him in the right place, he's able to produce. And I wonder if he showed you the same thing, if you were monitoring him on that level. But I also wanted you to talk a little bit about, uh, pure open size versus uh, players who can play pretty much all of the back row positions. Yeah, um, it depends on the kind of back row combination you want, but the only real pure open side we have is Todd Clever. Um, we have looked around. I mean, Matt Hawkins had a shot at the RC, kind of did some things good, but some things not so good. So he really was a good opportunity for him um but you know he just he i think he probably needs more 15s matt he's played too much sevens 
um, at the moment and probably needs more 15s to, to, to get himself into that open side short. Um, he's still on the radar, but at the moment, if you look at it, Todd is probably our out and out open side. Anaki, again, is a guy who will look at in that position to some extent, but it depends again. Like, I've got this thing that, you know, the way the game is going, I mean, your open side is probably going to get to the first breakdown. And that's after that, he's going to get to maybe every other breakdown. Uh, the, the, the day of the out and out open side is kind of, I think, gone. And as well now with the law changes, that it's very, very hard to poach a ball. So even a good open side, his odds of stealing the ball are, are slim. So if you have other options, like a, guys who can carry the ball, big guys who can carry the ball and, 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 and run over people or, or win collisions, you know, you may have to look at maybe picking a big back row. I think Clever is always, you know, if he's, if he's healthy, he's always going to be in our back row. And again, he's probably the fastest guy off the back of the scrum. So you could find Clever... In, in the number eight slot on our ball, you know, if, if he's going to get us away that quickly. Um, so, you know, I think Johnson's a guy, even though he's playing domestically, has had a standout um, ARC. He was excellent throughout the ARC, as well as captain. He did a great job. I think his form slipped during the Churchill. You know, he was a little worried he didn't play on top of his game, but he's really back. But I think Basori, I, I, I mean, I don't know a ton about the guy from what I've seen, on, except when I've seen on film. And I do want to get up close to him, I mean, and see what, what is his real strengths are in terms of, of, of what he can do. Um, I have a pretty good idea what I think he can do, but I, I'd like to see more of it. Sete, from what I've seen of Sete, I've always thought he was more of a centre than a wing. He's, he is capable of playing the wing, but the guy has got some seriously good feet. He can beat people one-on-one. -on -one. He's got good hands. You know, you, you put together somebody who's got good feet and good hands and kind of wasting them on the wing, you know. I mean, they can make things happen in the middle of the field. And that's where I see Sete. So I'm pretty excited to get him in. I know he wants to play a pate. Um, I know Andrew Saniola will have something to say about that as well. So there's a little, good little bit of competition building up in that midfield. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to put some guys in the midfield who, if they've got to take the ball up, can win a collision. But if they, if if teams give them a little bit of a gap, they can they find a seam and get an offload in there as well. And I think those three guys are all capable of that. So it's a it's kind of looking at the squad overall and, and, and the centres kind of epitomise what I'm thinking. It's, I think it's a pretty exciting pool uh, to go on a fall tour with. I think there's there's a lot of p potential in a lot of those combinations and, and I'm looking forward to, to looking at how those fit together over the four games. I, I totally agree with you. I think that you, I think that you have you have a lot of exciting combinations, especially in the midfield, the back row, the second row. Um, I think that it, it's going to be the real wild card is going to be how do you perform up front? I, that's because if you perform very well up front, you do have some class players everywhere else. And actually, if Pittman scrummages well. He really is. A, he's a tremendous athlete. And if you have, you know, you get guys like 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 a Pittman or or a Mate or or a Phil Teal and Biller, like you you are able to generate offense out of your front row. I mean, you, with Pittman, you're able to generate offense out of a tight head prop that, and that doesn't happen that often. So you do have you do have some things there that can be very very exciting moving forward. It's just a matter of. You know, are you going to have the amount of time you need to put that all together? And how long are you going to be away for? You know, and how, you know, I know you got the four games and how many practice sessions. And then what do you have after that going forward leading into the World Cup? Because eventually this team's going to have to settle in. Yeah, I mean, 
the fall tour is really important for us because it gives us that four weeks together on the road for, for lots of reasons. It's a road trip, which will be like the World Cup. We've got games coming, you know, hot, hot and heavy. And uh, I think, the, as you talked about the combinations, I mean, um, I mean, I'm really interested to see how Pittman will go. Pittman, again, hasn't been with us for a, a while. I mean, he came into the Churchill after a long layoff, missed the, the, the qualifiers in the fall um, uh, because, because of a concussion. And, but he's hit the ground running in London, and, and they just can't believe that, that how well he's doing. And you're right, it's not just Pittman's ability to scrummage. I think that's the thing he's to work on most. But this guy around the field is a phenomenon. I mean, you put the ball in Pittman's hands, um, uh, he'll do some damage. And the other thing is the guy's work rate is colossal. I mean, he just never stops. So I think Pittman, if Pittman figures out the scrummaging, which is always a big ask because he, he's a young kid and he hasn't got the depth of experience, but... And he's working on that. He's, he's working with Phil Keith Roach in, in London Welsh, who's a very good scrum coach. I mean, Keith Wood would, would rate him as one of the best scrum coaches in the world. So I think Pittman's in a good place and, and they're raving about the guy. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Pittman back on the field again. Um, but it does come down for us. I mean, I think our defence is improving all the time. Our, our attack is getting better. We're, we're getting better at keeping the ball and, and putting pressure on teams, building the pressure. I think our line-outs is improving as well in leaps and bounds. I mean, we not just our, our defensive lineup, but our our, our, our offensive, but our defensive lineup. We, we did terrible damage to Canada in the first half in Cordoba by just taking a lot of their ball or spoiling it. So I think our lineup's in a good place. The big question for us is scrum. You know, can we deliver the platform? And ultimately, and the irony of it all, is that the scrum is still the best attacking platform because, you know, there's 16 guys tied into one spot and there's a lot of space down front to both back lines. So... For me, I think the um, um, the the key for us is to build a scrum that we know is going to give us the platform we need to attack from, you know, and and that is probably the big challenge. And again, this fall tour, you know, we're going to get challenged at the scrum for sure in Saracens, for sure in 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 Scotland, and for sure in Georgia. I don't know about Portugal so much, um, but having said that, look, the scrum is an area that I I really feel we've got to kind of get on top of now and and. And uh, and lock it down. I I don't think we're ever going to beat teams up in the scrum, you know. Um, uh, but I, I particularly the top teams. But I think if we can give ourselves a platform to work off with that back line and with that back row we have, we can certainly do some damage. And that's the exciting bit for me now, looking at the, this this upcoming tour. All right, Eddie. I know you have to leave, but we appreciate your time. Fresh after the AIC, talking about the squad in depth and looking forward to the full tour. We'd obviously love to catch up with you at some stage during the tour if you get a a moment on Skype. Yeah, no problem. I'm, you know where we are. Just uh, keep in touch, and if I can jump on for an hour uh, during November, maybe after the uh, Scotland game, when we get we're heading to Georgia for the last game, we'll give you an update on how things are. Sounds great. Thanks, Eddie. Eddie O'Sullivan joining us tonight on Rugger Matrix America. Thanks, Eddie. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Bye-bye. Coach. Thanks, Eddie. So there he is, gentlemen. Uh, Eddie O'Sullivan, uh, are you happy with the squad? There's not a whole lot of real question marks in the squad. I mean... Uh, you know, in order for Brian Doyle to get picked, he really had to have a he really had to have a, a blowout ARC, and you know, and, and, and one of them were going to get picked, and Samu's, you know, bigger and and stronger and and probably a little bit faster, so he was going to get picked over Brian. Um, it's Anaki Basari being back in the uh, Anaki Basari being back in the in the fold is is smart. I mean, everybody remembers Anaki as a young kid in the 2007 World Cup. He's not a young kid anymore, and he's a big boy. I mean, he's all a six four, probably maybe even six five. He he brings a lot of stuff to the table that um, 
that that that's going to be interesting. Seda Tuliavuka, I I I don't think that he's a wild card being where he's playing, and I think that um, it's going to be a very interesting time, and I think there should be very high expectations on the team performance-wise. You know, I don't always look at expectations in terms of results. I look at expectations in terms of performance. I think that we want to get results against Georgia and want to get a result against Portugal. But and in terms of performance, I'd like to see a nice performance against Saracens, although I, I don't know how they're going to play that game. There may be a free-flowing sub thing considering they're playing four days later. And and Saracens are also going to be missing their players. And and, and I think that we... It, we really should be looking at, at Scotland Day as, as something where we have a, a very nice performance as well. I think that, that that's, you know, not a target game, but, but an opportunity game I, I would look at it as. Yeah, you know, Bruce, the thing about these games is the USA's got to appear like they're playing some rugby. And if I give a knock on Canada, uh, on, on, a, on a lot of these, you, you watch Canada play and sometimes they're playing not to lose by too much you know they kick an awful lot they defend you know everyone says how doggedly they defend but you don't really see an awful lot of rugby being playing it's like they just want to get through it and i i would rather i mean as a as an observer as a fan i think you know you mentioned the question would you rather lose uh you know 80 to 32 or something like that or would you rather lose 26 to 6 well well i i'd kind of like to see the 80 to 32 i'd kind of like to see the USA try to play, try to score some tries, and try to continue to to do what they have to do because they they have nothing to lose on that on that front, especially against Scotland. Day. I mean, it really doesn't matter in that sense. Well, they're clearly the not uh, Alex uh, looking to kick too much. I mean, the coach said it no. then that uh, America doesn't have the kicking stocks. The other thing is, I, I like Eddie's realism. You know, it's re- refreshing for a head coach to say, "Look, we're not good at this." So we're not going to do that to death. Uh, we've got to concentrate on our strengths. Um, you can obviously attack the strengths of an opposition every now and then, but we're not talking about the opposition here. We're talking about the strengths of the U.S. And, uh, you know, it'd be great to see um, that back row running the ball back because I really think it will cause some damage for the opposition, no matter who they are. Yeah, you know, and uh, this back line, this is, he's made a shift, I think, in the back line. He's gone bigger at inside center. He doesn't have a second five so much. And I even think, Bruce, with your question about what, what would happen if, God forbid, Nessie Malifa and Tyanosa get hurt, um, well, I would suspect he might bring Junior Sifa and put him in at fly half. But I could see him putting uh, Pati Tuilavuka in at fly half, who he's played it before. But the idea that why don't we just, you know, why don't we just steamroll over these guys? Because that's who we've got these big heart. You look at that. Suniula, Tulavuka, Tulavuka, and Emmerich in the centers. Those are some big, hard-running guys. And Emmerich is now, uh, when he's not playing for Ulster, he's playing for Malone in the All-Ireland League, and they're putting him in at inside center. So that, again, he's, he's a guy to be reckoned with when he has the ball going through tackles. Yeah, I actually meant if Nesse got hurt having a having a very inexperienced Tyanose at fly half. Well, yeah. But you know. yeah, I, I mean, I, I, um, I, I, I think I think it's a, it's an interesting tour. They have an interesting time. They have to put things together. They need to play. They can't be. I, I don't think that they. I think they can't be as loose with the ball, but they have to take chances in order to score. My personal opinion is I, you know, I would rather. I would rather lose twenty six to six than eighty to twenty three, but 
that's but that's just my my take on it. I, I don't like to turn games into complete and utter track meets. I do think that there are aspects of you get more respect out of out of that. But if I'm, I was talking in terms of the bonus point aspect of the World Cup, do you just say screw it and try to get a bonus point and understand that it doesn't matter how many of the other teams going to score if you you know if you can't beat them? I mean, you try to get two bonus points, but that's just probably pretty unrealistic as opposed to just, hey, let them score and we're going to go down and get the ball back to midfield. Not saying let them score, but you know what I mean. You know, get the ball yeah, back yeah, to midfield you know, well, and we're trying to get four tries. <laughs> are we trying to get four tries and kind of, or are we going to try to play the best rugby we can? And I think that, he, you know, he, he made it right and you'll, you'll see. It, all, it almost is going to depend how that Ireland-Italy game goes. So, yeah. and, and, and then I would, uh, you know, I, I take a look. At, I, I, I disagree with your comment about Canada being a play safe or, or, a, or a, a heavy kicking team. I, I think that Canada actually does try to play a lot of rugby, uh, especially given, given their weather. I, I, I would look at Canada does try to play a lot of rugby in many ways. I, I would say almost too much rugby. And, um, but, you know, that, that's, just, that's just a disagreement I have. But I, I think that the Eagles are going to try to do – they're going to try to build themselves into a pattern and a platform that that they can work off of. They'll be able to – they'll win their line-out ball. They should anyway. And they'll be able to really do some quality things off it. They'll be able to counterattack. It, a lot of it is going to come down to their restart should be very good with Van de Giesen and Smith. And, you know, so it's really going to come down to can they scrummage. And, and there were things that, you know, there weren't heartening things in the scrum set up wise and, and things that looked pretty good. And I, and I, I was fortunate enough. I, Bill LeClaire came by my office this week and we discussed a couple things. Um, scrum tweaks and things and a couple binding issues that in, he has, he has some interesting ideas going, going into this tour that can, that could be very, very effective and could change the face of the American scrum. And, and, and if they do, you, you, you may see that we do have a platform and, and with a platform, some of those guys can be pretty dangerous and it's just going to be, you know, on yeah. top of that, get a wet weather game plan and are they going to be fit enough to go for 80 against these teams? Need, need a little the bulk in that. You need a little bulk in that. Basari is also very good on the restart, by the way. One of the other things I was looking at on this uh, on this squad is is how many homegrown players there are. You know, where do they come from? And I'm thinking about the idea that uh, you know how many of them have played under 19 or high school rugby in the United States. And uh, just a quick look, uh, 12 of them. Right, right off the bat, uh, Big Mac, Fry, Pittman, Biller, Teal, Lavala, uh, Clever, Stanfield, Basari, uh, Petri, Enosa, and Hawley all played as high schoolers or under-19 guys in the USA. There are only a couple of guys in there who are American guys, you know, American-born and bred, who picked up the game uh, in in college. Uh, Vandergeesen. Uh, Emmerich and Swearin are, are, are and Nick, well, actually Nick Johnson is also another high school guy, so that's thirteen. Um, but you, what you've got is, I, I'm noticing that there are a lot more guys who are, who who learn their rugby in high school, and and in the United States, and actually more backs who learn their rugby. A few more backs, I, and I missed another one, Zach Test, of course. 
Uh, so that's 14. Half of them basically have done that. And and w I was going to ask Eddie about the fact that, you know, what can we do to change the way the game is 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 coached because it seems like we always have a lot of homegrown forwards but not many homegrown backs. And then I started looking and I said, well, Goff, you may be a little bit off here because uh, Petri and Inosa and Test uh, and Hawley all played high school rugby and then Swearin and Emmerich, uh, you know, were, were taught in college. So that's that's not a terrible that's not a terrible uh, uh, ratio at the moment. But I guess it's still it's still something that that sticks in the bottom of my mind. I'm not I'm not against somebody like Nessie Malifa, born in American Samoa, coming over to the United States and playing for the USA. I think that's wonderful. I'm just more of a comment on what can we do on the high school level to get more of these guys on this team. I think maybe we're doing it slowly. All right, that's a discussion for another day. Um, yeah. But it was great to get uh, the head coach on. Alex, uh, as we do every week, you, the sevens in Feb, you've got to be there. You do have to be there. And the other th the couple of things to keep in mind, uh, number one is that the hotel deals are now out. So if you're interested in trying to find out where you can stay in the hotel, and, the, and there's uh, the Tropicana and uh, the 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 Hard Rock and the Palms in in uh, in town, but also there's a place called um, it's Boyd Gaming, and there's Sam's Town, which is like a kids' hotel, really near Sam Boyd Stadium. So if you're taking a group of young people to go see the the USA Sevens, and you're saying, you know, Vegas, Vegas sounds like fun, but I, you know, I don't want to be right there in the middle of the uh, scantily clad. Uh, poker mm. dealers and stuff like that. Mm. That's okay because Samstown is a is a great hotel. F you know they've got like the swimming pool and it's like a water park in there and bowling alleys and, and it's a really great place for you to take a bunch of young people and go see the the tournament. And then the other thing to keep in mind, if you're interested in playing in the Las Vegas Invitational, going leading into the 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 sevens, which it sevens is at February 12th and 13th, is that uh, you get. A 50% discount on your entry fee if you sign up before uh, December 31st. So that's the sort of thing. If you're hemming and hawing about whether your team should go, you're gonna you're gonna save uh, you know a hundred couple a hundred bucks I think it is on on your entry fee if you sign up early. So that's something to to think of. So I, I think some people worry they go oh, you know Vegas Vegas is, is that a family place? Well, there's some family places to go, and I saw a lot of kids there last year. Uh, having a great time in the rugby that's you know that's a family entertainment too all right thanks alex and uh bruce uh thanks very much again uh good luck you're going in for a bit of surgery the back neck and uh hopefully we'll chat to you uh next week goodbye everybody and next time you speak to me i will be in a nasty hard collar and walking uh very gingerly so <laughs> All right. We all hope it goes well, mate. And uh, thanks once again. All, all right. right. That, that is it, guys. Episode uh, 38 of Rugger Matrix America. We'll speak to you next week.